Hello there, it's Friday, April 10th. My name's Justin. Welcome to today's episode of The Pickup Line. It's a very special episode today because today is a really special day. Um, Today's episode is all about one of my all-time favorite video games ever released, a game that means so much to me on so many different levels, and it just so happens the remake of this game was finally, at long last, uh, released today, and I spent just a couple of hours playing it so far, but I wanted to spend this episode talking about some of my memories of what I consider to be one of the greatest video games ever made, Final Fantasy VII. Let's get into it. An evil empire is sucking the life force from the planet. Destroying all that's in its path. It's up to one soldier of fortune to save the world. If he succeeds, you survive. If he fails, you can always hit the reset button. Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII was released in 1997 for the Sony PlayStation console. Um, I was in high school at this time, um, and video games were not quite as mainstream as they were today. Um, I had been a gamer my whole life since I was a little kid. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, N64, kind of the evolution there. And then when the PlayStation launched in the early 90s, it was something quite revolutionary. 3D graphics, more mature feeling. Um, It felt like it was a console that I wanted to go after because I was growing up and video games were growing up too. Uh, And so when Final Fantasy VII was announced for the Sony PlayStation, it had so much hype around it. Um, It was a game that was just like everyone was really excited for it. Um, It had all this sort of revolutionary, it's going to be the greatest game of all time kind of thing. Its predecessor, Final Fantasy VI, um, was a great one of the greatest RPGs of all time on Super Nintendo, and it had so many interesting concepts, and it was it was a similar situation to the Mario 64 endeavor, whereby, you know, people were, were a little trepidatious about, is this game going to be good uh, in, uh, you know, not as a pixelated sort of sprite-based RPG? Um, is it going to work in 3D? Um, is it going to work uh, with what they're trying to do, telling a story? Uh, how, how's it all going to work? Um, and, and boy, did it. Uh, but I remember very vividly, um, there weren't game pre-order, maybe there were, but I wasn't old enough to be pre-ordering video games, but I very much remember asking my dad to drive me into Raleigh, North Carolina, um, one weekend in 1997, to go and pick up Final Fantasy VII at this video game shop that I thought was sort of exotic at the time, because they had a lot of imported stuff, um, it was a place called Buy Right Video Games, it was always kind of scary and weird for me to go there, just because of the people that worked there were kind of interesting and odd, um, and they always had weird stuff that you wouldn't find at Toys R Us or, or wherever you were going to buy your video games in 1997. And so we drove to the city and we went into Buy Right. It was in a flea market, uh, which was really weird. It wasn't like, uh, it was, so you had to kind of walk into this sort of large flea market area, kind of make your way into the back. And there was a little stall called Buy Right Video Games with this uh, enigmatic mustached gentleman that worked there. And uh, he sold me my copy of Final Fantasy VII. I also bought this little Cloud Strife on a motorcycle uh, keychain that he convinced me to buy as well, which I still have. It's on my dresser next to my bed in, in 2020. Um, and I brought the game home, popped it into my PlayStation, and never looked back. Um, it was an incredible experience. Um, it blew me away the first time I played it, just the way that it, it was so cinematic. Um, the, the graphics were so 
mind-boggling at the time that, that I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around how cool it looked. Um, and I just I just remember playing through that whole game. Um, it took a long time to beat it. It was hard. It was challenging. Um, there was there were so many interesting story moments, and it was four discs, and it was just so neat. And I thought it would be fun on the podcast today. I actually found one of the original reviews of Final Fantasy VII from uh, uh, the official U.S. PlayStation Magazine, Volume 1, Issue 1, in 1997. I found this archived on archive.org. I'll put the link to it in the description. And I thought I would read through this to see um, what people were saying about this game back then. Who is the lifeblood of our world? The planet bleeds green like you and me bleed red. The hell you think's gonna happen when it's all gone, huh? Answer me! You gonna stand there and pretend you can't hear the planet crying out in pain? I know you can! You really hear that? Damn straight I do! Get help. <laughs> Say that again! So I've got, I've located it on archives.org, the original review of Final Fantasy VII from PlayStation Magazine, and I wanted to try to read some of this. It's a little bit small to see, so I'm going to do the best I can. But um, let's see what this uh, reviewer has to say, all the way back in 1997 about Final Fantasy VII. Um, And then in the second part of today's episode of the podcast, we're joined by a special guest, my brother Jared, and we're going to talk about and share some of our most cherished Final Fantasy VII memories, reactions, discussions, and thoughts. So uh, the article starts off with, So it's finally here, the most hyped up, talked about, and eagerly anticipated role-playing game in console history has finally arrived. I'm talking about Final Fantasy VII, of course, the game that was billed as the greatest RPG of all time before it was even released. And the big question, does it live up to the hype? Well, Final Fantasy VII is absolutely epic in scope. With a sweeping storyline that spawns three discs, the game makes the 40-hour completion time suggested by Square seem like an underestimation. A large map with a wide selection of towns and cities offers plenty of areas to explore for the intrepid adventurer. Cinematic sequences, including but not limited to fully rendered full-motion animation cinemas, advance the complex and sometimes surprising story, and several mini-games like arcade fighting, motorcycle racing, and snowboarding offer light-hearted respite from the serious storyline. But does it live up to the hype? Well, as reported, the graphics are nothing short of stunning. The pre-rendered backgrounds provide some of the richest environments ever seen in a console title. The cinematic sequences segue almost seamlessly into actual gameplay, uh, ridding the game of the unpleasant graphic dichotomy found in most cinema-laden CD-based games. And clever graphical tricks, like decreasing the size of the characters as they move from foreground to background, add to the game's visual depth. And the most powerful summoning spells acquired in the game uh, as the game progresses are absolutely awe-inspiring, combining polygonal graphics and what appear to be beautifully hand-drawn special effects. But does it live up to the hype? Well, the combat interface is cleverly done with a real-time engine that is nevertheless turn-based. By turn-based, I mean that characters must wait for a time meter to fill before choosing their attack, and attacks always occur in the order they are chosen, with no two characters either friend or foe, attacking at the same time. This adds a level of urgency and excitement not found in most other RPGs. But does it live up to the hype? Well, that really depends. I have to say that now that I've been able to put some... Oops. To put some serious time into the game, I'm a bit disappointed. The most frustrating thing about the game is the surprising linear storyline. Until gaining access to the game's vehicles... 
at least 15 hours into the game, players are basically forced to follow a strictly set path. Oh, you'll have the appearance of choices in, consecu- in, in conversation and in travel, but explore the uh, alternatives and you'll discover that there is really only one feasible path to take. This is doubtless the case because of the focus of the fully developed story, but it may bother gamers used to more wide-open gameplay. The inclusion of some truly changing puzzles, challenging puzzles would have helped a bit, but these are scarce. To make things worse, at some points, the, transformation from the, Jap- the translation from the Japanese appears a bit muddy, causing unnecessary confusion and, uh, and clouding the fine story. Good one. Don't get me wrong, this is a great game, and I don't mean great and I don't mean great like hey great but great like Alexander the Great I guess I was just expecting it to be a bit closer to perfect than it is it's still a must buy for any PlayStation owner just keep in mind that you'll have to check a good deal of your freedom at the door so that's an interesting little review right up there from PlayStation magazine and I thought that would be fun to share and talk about and yeah I'm sure my nostalgia colored glasses are uh, not offering a ton of uh, uh, are not helping with my, my view of the game. I, I think it's one of the greatest games of all time, but I'm sure as I played it back then, I, I shared many of those same uh, concerns, but I think that that writer uh, points to a lot of the things that made Final Fantasy VII so groundbreaking and so great for me. And in the next part of today's podcast, uh, I'm going to go into some of those reasons with my brother Jared. So stay tuned. It should be a fun discussion. Thank you so much for hanging out today and on to the next part. Well, welcome to my podcast. Welcome to the pickup line. Um, this this is it. And on today's episode, it's April 10th, and we're talking about Final Fantasy VII because the new Final Fantasy VII remake just came out today, finally. Um, and I thought it'd be fun for us to kind of go through some of our memories of playing Final Fantasy VII together, uh, a game that came out when, I, I don't know, I was in high school. How old, you, you, how old were you in 1997? <laughs> I would have been nine-ish. Wait, All when right, did so. it come Oh, I don't know. That's a good point. It's probably spring. It's probably the springtime. I would imagine spring, yeah. I mean, I don't remember what the weather was like when we were playing it. Hmm. But it was probably... probably, It might be summer. Because the story I keep telling is is when I drove down with Dad to buy right video games. To to get it. Do you remember buy right video games? I do. With that mustache gentleman that worked there? Yep. Yeah, it was a strange yep. place. Like, isn't that weird flea market? And, like, it was like Thinking a... Thinking back, like, was Final Fantasy VII a launch game? For, like, like, how soon after the PS1 was out did Final Fantasy VII come out? I know it wasn't a launch game. Obviously. No, it was but not it was a launch like, yeah. Like the summer after the PS1 came out, the Final Fantasy VII was released. It might, it might have been. I don't, I don't know. I think didn't PS1 come out? Did it come out in '96 or '90? I can't remember. I, I feel like it was out for a while before Seven came out for it. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of the, the the cadence that they went with going forward too. A lot of time, I remember towards the end of the PS1 it was already out practically. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But. But anyway, yeah, I was I was like nine or ten. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so I I very I remember the hype around it. Like I I definitely remember that. Like 
it was something that people were talking about. It was it was a game that was like really highly anticipated, and people were like super pumped to to play it. Um, and 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 it was like this was going to be the greatest game of all time. Like there was all this crazy hype. It was kind of it's very similar to when Mario sixty four came out, and people were like, yeah, this game could either be the most revolutionary thing ever, or it could be terrible to see a, an RPG like this uh, not in a pixel world, you know, like not in a sprite based. Like yeah. hype at that time, like we wouldn't have even seen videos of this. Like there were no videos, there were no like maybe something on TV. I don't even know. There wouldn't have been anything on TV about it because it wasn't mainstream yet. So like, yeah, it, we, it would have been like magazines. It would have been like Nintendo Power wouldn't have had it in there. It would have been like PS One magazine if that was even a thing yet. I don't remember. Yeah, like do you remember like official PlayStation magazine? They used to come with like lid stickers for your PS One. Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, put like, somebody so on that the PlayStation lid wouldn't open anymore. <laughs> oh my god, I did. I- I, I still do that, by the way. I do that with my uh, license plate tag. Um, so o- old habits never die. Um, but yeah, I, I put so many lid stickers on my PS One lid that it wouldn't I, like it couldn't open anymore. So I just kept putting them over top of the other one. Oh, God, um, <laughs> I actually get those things off. They're super sticky. I'm not going to put Go Go juice in my classic. I've gotten actually. It's funny because. I've recently discovered ways to remove stickers because I work on RC cars so much with heat oh. guns and I have like special heat technology for it now. And I always think about the sticker removal processing for used games from GameStop. So oh my god, I, I developed such a skill for that. If if, if you could have made money taking re- used game stickers off of EB Games pre-owned stuff, I would have I would have been rich. Man, I I got I got I got to a point where I had like a, a whole physical mechanic down for that. Just like peel and peel and pull. Like the peel and press technique, where you peel a little bit, push it down to get the adhesive back on there, pull it up a little bit more. You have to wipe it down at the end because there'd be some yeah. residue around the edges. Like, oh, well, we had God. intense like DVD game shelves back then. The jewel cases would all. Well, it wasn't even DVDs yet. It was just the jewel. So if you didn't get yeah. it all off, it would stick to the next one, and it was bad. Yeah, it was anyway. really bad. I mean, the the, the jewel cases were were better with the plastic. It was actually hard plastic, not like that squishy plastic yeah, on the more modern but, but yeah like the true final fantasy 7 like attempt at memory because i didn't like as as you found out earlier when we were talking on the phone i didn't even know much about the remake or its contents and i haven't looked anything up before this call before this podcast about like when seven came out and all that so i'm i'm totally just guessing so i did look at here looking for like a, a historical catalog of what happened I, i'm the worst person at oh yeah no this is more of just like a nostalgia trip kind of thinking about our, our own our own memories of final fantasy 7 and kind of what it means to, to the two of us having played all the final fantasy games for the most part for the last 20 or 30 years um but yeah seven was seven was a big deal like it was a big turning point for the for the whole franchise and for the whole series i mean mm-hmm. it, it was it was like the biggest selling game of all time on playstation i believe it came out in 97 i did look that up um it was four discs, right? And they were black underneath the original version. Yeah, which was cool. Well, we still have yeah. that. I, I think I have it. In my, I have it. Yeah, in my have it. Have it um, yeah. it's like three hundred dollars on Amazon. I looked. I, I did look at that the other day because I was, I was deciding which version of the remake to buy. Oh, nice. And I just saw like the game, like the whatever it was, like game of the year. You know, the edition for the old PlayStation games had the green yeah. bar on the left. The, yeah, yeah. I think it was like game of the year. That um, one's three hundred dollars. Wow. Classic, yeah. That one was like it was crazy. That's but, crazy. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I remember changing the discs. I remember, yeah, you know, I remember that aspect. But yeah, I mean, what was the game before that? Would have been what six. Final Fantasy six, which was was that three in the U.S.? Yeah, it was three in Japan. On, three, okay. 
What was Final Fantasy three on SNES then? So the way that worked was they released Mystic Quest in place of Final Fantasy. I think it was like four or five. Like they just didn't release those. Um, right. And because they thought it was too easy or it was too hard. And so they released like Mystic Quest as like a dumbed down version of Final Fantasy for the West. And then, that, and then the numbering system got really screwed up. And by the time they, they released three in Japan, they'd already had like two versions of like Mystic Quest or something released in the US. And they just decided to go with six. And then they just kind of abandoned that nomenclature a little bit when seven came out. And they were just like, we're kind of starting to, we're starting to over here from scratch sort of. With, what, with was, seven. what was six on? I don't remember six then. I'm sorry. You're right. I have it backwards. You're right. Three was what came out in the U.S. So it was Final Fantasy one, right. and then it was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, and then it was Final Fantasy three, the one with the purple right. and the Moogle on the front. That you're right. Sorry, yeah. six came out. The, and the, the March. Yeah. That way. And so, but for us, I mean, for us growing up, it was we effectively saw Final Fantasy three, and then, I mean, obviously the, the ones before that too. But for us, in terms of what we, what I remember playing was like three on SNES, and then the next Final Fantasy thing was seven on PS one. Right, exactly, exactly. It was like, holy and, crap, here it is. You yeah. Know, this, this new game. This big deal, this game that has, like, all these crazy cutscenes and story, and, like, it's super long. Like, there was that wasn't really a thing either up until this point. Like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. We, we had, we had like, what do we have? Like, Destruction Derby, Gran Turismo 1, and, like, Battle Wipe Arena Toshinden, and Wipeout. That was it. Like, that's all we had, like, Twisted yeah. Metal. Like, video games weren't, they were still, like, arcade games. They were still, like, games that you would go to the arcade and put quarters in and play, like, for five minutes right. and have a little bit of fun. I mean, maybe, like, Super Mario RPG in some ways, maybe Earthbound. Some of the RPGs on SNES, you could yeah. see those, those like, like developers leaning in that direction creatively. And, like, you know, games like Metroid, Super Metroid, where they had, like, cutscene-esque moments where the story kind of drove what was going on a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, no, nothing was... Nothing on PS1 yet that I can remember was as cinematic as Seven. Yeah, I mean, I mean there that were... opening cutscene of like um, yeah. Aerith and like the camera panning and just like the transition from the train to cloud jumping. Like when the train stops in Final Fantasy Seven and the background has that weird shift to pre-render from 3D yeah. and like cloud jumps off is like one of the one of the craziest moments in gaming because it's like holy holy crap. I'm playing a cutscene. Like, yeah. even though my hands are blocks of concrete, I'm, I'm playing, I'm <laughs> one playing polygon. <laughs> All right, guys, we've got twelve polygons to work with. Let's make it stretch, okay? Like, um, but yeah, no, we talk about this all the time. That was, it still is an impressive thing to look at, even today, to go back mm-hmm. and look at like the original Final Fantasy VII and even, especially Final Fantasy VIII. And these moments where they had these amazing CG cutscenes playing out, which at the time were like. M- made your eyes bleed they looked so cool nothing like that existed in video games um you know up until this point it was like resident evil which was like blocky polygons combined with real live action actors and stuff um but this is one of seven was one of the first games that took the seat the cg cutscene thing to the next level and then also incorporated that into the 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 actual game you were playing so like you combine the cg background the pre-rendered background with like the actual gameplay which is incredible um it's funny that's funny this is a little off topic but like the Resident Evil remake just came out and I'm I played a little bit of Resident Evil 3 and my god the graphics on that are so insane that it feels like you can't like they have live action video in that game like the opening couple moments of Resident Evil 3 is like a live action the original real, one? yeah the no the new one the one that just came the out new one. Yeah, yeah. the remake it's like a live yeah. action produced movie for the first couple minutes 
yeah. and then it transitions into the game and you cannot tell the difference like it looks the yeah. same like there was a moment where these people were like going to a helicopter and i was like is this the live action shit that i was just watching or is this the actual game that i'm now playing i couldn't tell the difference and it reminded me of final fantasy 7 because now we're finally at the point where i i i can't tell the difference um which yeah. is what we always talked about back then when will we get to the day when that happened so that, i thought that was an interesting thing yeah um, yeah i was playing yeah. the remake this morning and i was thinking to myself like oh man i wonder if these if what i'm playing right now looks as good as the cutscenes used to originally looked in final fantasy 7 and i'm like those cutscenes <laughs> look bad compared to yeah. what this is like in gameplay but yeah. what was cool about seven, I would, I would think about it as like playing through concept art. Like those pre-rendered backgrounds are so detailed and awesome that it was like some, like someone had just, you know, put the concept art in the three D space and you were running through it, which was really cool um, because you know it had all this detail. Obviously, you couldn't interact with a lot of it, but it still was very immersive because of that. And they did like amazing things to make yes it feel detailed and alive and real even though they were working with really limited you know graphic capabilities at the time but yeah i mean yeah some of the moves they made in that game were just were just groundbreaking and that's why it became so popular and it had some of the most iconic rpg characters ever and just crazy story uh, i remember the materia thing was so cool do you remember the summons in the original final fantasy 7 and how exciting it was to get those i don't remember that at all you really I oh man memories from the original moments because i was really young I yeah, mean, you're, you're younger, but like, I think a lot of my memories are are kind of clouded <laughs> by. Uh, I don't get the, it. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> by the by the um the like replaying of seven when it came out on like Switch and on um, yeah things like I, that was always the game when I was like oh, I want to play classic PS one stuff. Oh, cool! Let me play seven. Like you know, and then I'd play yeah. the the, the Shinra Reactor intro and be like, okay, yeah, yeah it's fun. I yeah, so I, I have really strong memories of that stuff, but the, the yeah. latter half of the game, I definitely I don't remember as clearly. Well, it's interesting because I, I played the game with you, and then years later I played it again with, with my wife, Erica, and that was like a big part of our like initial dating relationship was like going to her house and playing Final Fantasy VII like in the afternoon after high school. Um yeah. And so that's another cool like layer of that for me is like it has this, it has this really personal connection to you and then also to these other people in my life that are really important. So like that that's yeah. a cool piece of the game too. So I'm actually going to play some of that with her tonight, I think, um, and the new one. And um, yeah, it it it, 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 it certainly it, it certainly is the game that launched a thousand ships in a lot of ways too. Like you know from there we went into eight and nine and and you know I think we played most of ten together or at least you watched me play most of ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't. I remember bits and pieces of ten. I remember eight the most because yeah, that's why I, I remember I got that's when I kind of was getting like old enough to be able to really like play games effectively or at least understand what's going on a little bit more. And I also went back and played eight pretty extensively later on, in like when I was in high school uh, yeah. or something at one point. So that one really stood out. But yeah, I mean, seven's just like one of those games that changed a lot of a lot of the industry, changed a lot of the 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 way developers thought about art, the RPG genre. And it's interesting because yeah. I think of Final Fantasy, it's easy to just think about like, okay, turn-based combat. It's all turn-based combat. And it, it was. That was the main battle system. But I don't think that was like seeing the, 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 the progression from Squaresoft to Square Enix and then the battle systems and the games changing so much, like even mm -hmm. from like into like Final Fantasy 11 and then 12 and you now 13 and up to 15, 
this action-oriented system you know, where you're actually pressing buttons and like engaged in 3D space is like probably what they wanted to do back then, but couldn't. Right. In some ways, but like I don't think they ever wanted to be Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah, I don't think they ever wanted to be like strictly turn-based. I think that was a, a good system to get to deliver a, a quality game that felt good. Right. And it made sense, and it was what they had, you know, kind of made had success with in the in the games leading up to that. But like, I don't know, it, it fits. Like they they were in seven really emphasized like the story and the characters and the character development and the dynamics of the up and down where like you know something exciting is going to happen and then we're going to slow down a little bit and learn more about the characters and then we're going to build back yeah. up again. So yeah. it really emphasized that. And so like I don't know, it just. Some people get really upset. They're like, "Oh, it's not a, it's a true turn-based RPG." I'm like, "Yeah, well, it's that's not necessarily what it has to be." Like, you know, the changes they've made are, I think, still well within like the the the, the original game's like intent. It's still you can still deliver that story and, and all that just in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right, and it's it's so cool because I think you're right. I think I think that was definitely part of the vision of of Final Fantasy. They were always pushing the envelope, and they always were trying to. With each new game, they wanted to uh, almost like um, outdo the past, the last one, and make make mm-hmm. new changes. And they've always iterated on that. They've always evolved the ideas. And I, I'm just struck in the Final Fantasy VII remake, and I've only put in a few hours into it, but like just the way that they've modernized and hybridized the turn-based and action RPG combat mechanics, they've combined them in such a good and and solid way that it feels like the ultimate evolution of that system, and that someone's finally just nailed it. Um, we've seen iterations of it in Final Fantasy 15. It was okay in 15. I didn't love the combat in 15. It was it was okay. It felt a little bit too auto 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 attacking. Like it felt like I could just kind of hold a button and, and win. Um, and then I, I, Kingdom Hearts was similar, but I didn't love it in Kingdom Hearts. But like in in, a, in this remake of Seven, they've just nailed it. Like it's the perfect synergy of feeling like it's a turn based RPG still, if you want it to be, where you can pause things and slow down the action. And then this entire high action intense, like button mashing, dodging, blocking, casting spells thing. It's just the perfect mixture of both. In my opinion, it's great. Yeah, I agree. And without giving away too much, they, they really do an, an amazing job. Something that's really impressed me is like, they still capture that, that feeling of seven where it would redirect your attention because of the pre-rendered backgrounds to certain things going on in the space. Like, it would mm-hmm. like because of where they put the camera when you load it into a new scene, it would sh- like be like Barrett, you know, up standing over somewhere waving at you or whatever, like come come this way, you know, and you could see that. Mm-hmm. Or they have like the Shinra reactor, like way up in the distance, the camera real low, with like angled up, looking at cloud, and they still do a lot of those same things with the remake to make it feel like, like I, I love the way they grab your camera to to show something else happening in a scene in the background, like yeah. They'll yeah. like shift the camera and kind of lock it in place. So you, you, like, so there's times when you can't use the, the right stick to move your camera because they've got it like in, a, in the perfect sweet spot to show like Barrett climbing the ladder and you and Tifa climbing the ladder like at the same time. And it's just really right. cool the way they the way they, they do that. And I haven't I haven't played more than like a couple hours, but I hope they like that continues. Yeah, no, I love that. I love the way that they they direct your attention to certain things and. Like it's, it's funny that moment you mentioned when they have that low angle of cloud standing in front of the Shinra reactor. Um, I, I believe they flipped that in the remake. In the, in the original game, it's the other way around. It's like a, it's like a high <laughs> zoom in shot, or it's some other. It's like the reverse of that shot in the original game. Oh, really? They kind of flipped it for this one. Yeah, there's all okay. sorts of little things like that that yeah. I don't. I'm probably not going to pick up on. But yeah, I, I think, I think this game has a lot of awesome potential, and I'm really excited for it. And and, and it really does. 
I don't know. It just it, it makes me remember what I loved about the original. And I think you made this point earlier. It's like it it it, it modernizes a game that that doesn't quite hold up in today's sort of standard of what games are and it kind of it takes all the things that were great about that game wraps them up in this new package and presents them in a different way with a new perspective and that's what's so cool about it so it's it's almost you know it's, it is a true remake you know a lot of it's not a it's not a redo it's not like a remix it's, it's not a remake it's not a remaster it's a remake yeah yeah it's a new game and i mean it's great because i'm eating i mean I think if you're not a fan of Final Fantasy at all, or you're not a fan of Final Fantasy VII, especially, you know, you're probably, I, I would still suggest trying it. But like, I think for me personally, just the moment I see these characters again, and like they have really good voice acting and they're fully realized and they have all their gear and they look awesome. And that like, I'm immediately engaged and I'm immediately invested. Like I want to play the game. You know, I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to beat yeah. this game. Like, so for me, I think for fans, it's just going to be just the right experience. You know, there's always going to be people that like the combat, people that don't, and I think people will find hopefully a system or setting that they can adjust to make it more what they like if they don't like the default. But it's, I don't know, it feels like how it sh- how I would expect a Final Seven game if it was made today to feel. Like, yeah, it's got all yeah. those the right recipe. It's got the right moments, the right feel. It doesn't feel slow paced. Like when I go back and play Seven, those those battles take a while, and the random yeah. encounters. Are- are a bit frustrating just because I'm not used to that. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, you can't, like, I don't know. It's hard for me and probably for a lot of gamers to put themselves into the, the mindset you were in when you first played these older games, because you've seen so much since then that you're, you're like, you're like index of information about how games can be and what they could be right. is so much deeper than it was when you were a kid. And you only had seen so many games right. that like, it's like, oh man, I play other things that were more impactful. Yeah, I mean, that's so it's like these days, know, every every two days, there's a like triple A crazy game coming out like that takes 100 hours to beat that I gotta somehow play. In 1997, it was Final Fantasy yeah. VII was it? Like that was the only game you had. Like so, have fun for 100 hours. Well, we talk about that a lot. It's like, right? It's like now, like you know, like with like Steam and especially with PC gaming, even console gaming too. I mean, any, any platform, it's like, oh, this game was kind of, eh, I played it for an hour and I didn't like it. And I'll like I'll go look on the store for something right. else. Like that's not a thing back then. If you if you didn't like what you had, you either just like didn't play games, or you waited until you could go to GameStop or you know, EB Games or whatever, buy right in your case, and get the next thing. And even then, it was expensive, yeah. and you know potentially crap. Or you waited for you know, EGM to come and find out what games were coming out. Yeah, yeah. It's like you couldn't go online and be like, oh, what 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 games releasing tomorrow? Like no, I know there was there none of that. that. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. it was much more mysterious back then. Video games felt a lot more mysterious. Like we didn't know how they were made or where they were made or how they came to be here. They were just this magical thing that uh, ushered you into these other worlds, and we didn't know anything about them. Like um, the, the whole the industry is so much more transparent now um, and and so much more active. But yeah, it's 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 crazy. When, when did when did Metal Gear come out? Was that before or after Seven? Mm. I think that was after Seven. I'm pretty sure that was after. Yeah, yeah. I think that was after. I think it might have been the winter, like this winter after seven came out. Yeah, I think so. I'll have to look that up because that was another kind of mile. I remember. Over, yeah, I remember you opening that Metal Gear the, the Christmas Day. I think you got that on Christmas, didn't you? I don't think I did. I I, I was working at the paper mm-hmm. company, and I remember like leaving work early one day to go buy it the day it came out with the money I had earned at the paper company that I was working at. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway. I remember that case though. That Metal Gear case oh, yeah. with the white and red. Oh yeah. 
the cases were classic. Oh, is that, is that Metal Gear Solid 2 I'm thinking of? That was 2. 2 was the PS2 case, so it was bigger. The first one was just like the red letters on the white background and the square. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, I, and I'm interested to see where they take this from here. I mean, I'm sure this one's going to be a smashing success. I wonder if they remake yeah. 8 and 9 and whatever else. And eventually they'll remake 11. And then... <laughs> Could you I already remember? did that. It's called Final Fantasy 14. It's oh. trash cans. Oh. No. Um, For me, it is, but no, uh, yeah, but we, we have we have certainly have we have a lot of memories. Maybe we'll do another podcast sometime talking about some of our other Final Fantasy games. But this one was all about seven, and I really appreciate you being here, uh, Jared, my, my brother Jared, today talking with me about Final Fantasy seven. Um, any final thoughts, yep. closing comments? I will. I will share one misconception. It's just so silly. Yeah. When we were kids, I, for some reason, I thought the, the, the female character in the game uh, with like the pink. A red shirt. The main female character. Right. I thought her name was Eris, with an S, for my entire life until this morning, when I realized her name was Eris. Well, you are correct, sir, because in in the original American translation of the game, the localization from the original game, her name is Eris with an S. Oh, okay. But they changed it back to the original Japanese version of Eris, which is what it was in the Japanese version of Final Fantasy VII uh-huh. for the remake. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a Berenstein, Berenstein situation. Sure. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was all this morning. I saw that. I was like, wait, what? Everything I know is wrong. <laughs> His name's actually Claude. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Barrett. Barrett. What? Barrett. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah. So yeah. Aerith. Aerith. There was all sorts of confusion about that in the original game when it came out over here. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I guess my closing thought would just be that, you know, the nostalgia of Final Fantasy VII, the music, the visuals of it, the story, the summon creatures, the characters, all of it, um, the different set pieces, the moments, it's all just, it, it all is like the bedrock of my love of video games now. I, I owe so much of my current uh, pursuits and hobbyal, ho- hobbyist, ho- hobbyal, hobbies to final fantasy 7 and some of the things in there it, it really was one of the first games that made me fall in love with video games and realized that video games uh could do more than just ask for us for our quarters to let us get to the next level they could um tell stories they could compel us they could transport us to other worlds and so it really was one of those games for me that did that originally so yeah i owe a lot to that game cool cool well thanks so much for joining me today bro on the pickup line i will see you in midgar all right. Bye. <laughs> cool. Later, man. Later. Bye.